Hey, what's up, everyone? How's it? Very good. Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Kuf Mem Gimel, Daf 143 of Masechta Shabbos. You know what that means, friends? What's 157 minus 143? Who could tell me? Um, it's 14, I think. Now, 14 divided by 7 days of the week is 2. Friends, that means two weeks from today, we'll be making our well-deserved Siyum HaMesechta Shabbos. Okay. Um, today, th- there aren't like necessarily big juicy sugyas, which I guess is good and not good, meaning, um, let's say, let's start with the not good. Well, it's not, it's not not good. So whatever, I guess it's good. Um, because why shouldn't it be good? I just confused myself. Let's get started. But, um, yeah, so we're going to start off. The first one is going to kind of talk about muksa'i kinds of things. And we're going to conclude the 21st parak, parak notel, and begin the 22nd parak, parak chavis. And then we're going to talk about juicing kinds of things um, a little bit on daf kuf mem gimel amud beis. Friends, let's jump in. We're right now at the bottom of daf kuf mem beis amud beis. Now, the last thing that we had said was that Rava would put a, a knife on a on 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 a dove on raw dove meat and that way he would transport the raw dove meat now uh Rav Yosef responded sharply to Rava as well as Abaye who had also put a spoon on a bundle of wheat so he could transport that and said look at these young whippersnappers who um they think they're so smart that they could just take muksa and then put something on it and carry it um to which Abaye said, look, I'm only doing it because I'm an Adam Chashiv, I'm Rosh Yeshiva. I don't want people to think that you can move Muksa. So I'm making it clear that like, you know, I'm putting something not Muksa so, so that uh, um, I'm not just moving Muksa plain. However, the fact of the matter is, says Abaye, that this bundle of wheat I would be able to move in any event because I can, um, this raw wheat, I can always just lean on it. Rava says, me too. Um, this raw dove's meat, I mean, I- I'm happy to just eat it raw. Um, you know, it's called umtza. It's not just called raw meat. It's called, it's called umtza. And I like eating umtza. Fine. So, so what did Rava basically say? Rava said, well, don't be confused by this knife that I'm putting on the meat. Don't get the wrong idea and assume that it's muktza, which I think is probably a design flaw. You know, if people are going to get the wrong idea, then you should probably rethink how you're doing it. Akoponim. Uh, what he was saying though was that this meat was not muktza anyways because he would eat it raw. So friends, you ready for this? Here's the Gemara's kasha. That implies that if Rava wouldn't eat this meat raw, well, then it would be muktza. And Rava is saying that the reason why it's not muktza, right? The reason why it's mukhan, the reason why even without the knife he's saying that Meker Adin, he would be able to move the meat is because he eats it raw. Implying that if he didn't eat it raw, it would be mukta. To which the Gemara asks the Kasha. So the Gemara says, I'm on three lines from the bottom, all the way at the end of the line. So it sounds like the reason why Rava is saying that this meat, now I also have to assume that we're talking about a dove that was shechted, because if it wasn't shechted, then he wouldn't be able to eat it. You know, what do you mean he can eat it raw? It's not shechted. So I assume that we're talking about a dove that you shechted. And obviously, if you shechted the dove, 
you're intending to eat it, right? If it's for your animal, you wouldn't have to shechta, you wouldn't have to do shechita, right? So, so, so we're talking about a dove that Rava had slaughtered in order to eat it. And he's saying what? Time of the chazilun, so that the reason why when it's raw, it's considered muchan is because, which of course is the opposite of muqtza, so it's considered muchan because he would eat it raw, implying that if he wouldn't be eating it raw, then it would be muqtza. Halo chazilumtza lo. Which sounds like if he wouldn't be able to eat it raw, then it would be muqtza. So this gets into the sugya of muqan le adam have muqan le behema. Right? So there, so there's a, there's a machlokas apparently, Masechta Beitza, between Reb Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda regarding so obviously Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold of Muktzah and Rabbi Yehuda does hold of Muktzah and Rabbi Yehuda says that something that is Muchan the Adam so such as this meat such as this meat right this dove was shechted before Shabbos so clearly the fact that you did Shrita shows that you're in, that it's for human consumption now at the same time it's also raw which means that we're assuming that you know, so Rava would eat raw meat, but the assumption is if he wouldn't eat raw meat, well then this meat that was set aside for human consumption by the fact that you shafted it, even though, you know, most people wouldn't eat this raw meat, but you can give it to a cat, a cat would be more than happy to eat it. And yet from the fact that we're saying that Rava is assuming that if he wouldn't be eating it, then it would be considered muktza. Well, what about the fact that you can feed it to a cat? Shouldn't that be enough to make it considered muhan because I can make it animal food? So the fact that we're saying that if Rava wouldn't eat this raw meat, it would be considered muktza, well, that implies that even though this meat was muhan la adam, it's not considered muhan le behema. And therefore, and since he can't eat it himself, the fact that he can give it to the animal doesn't matter. And it would now be considered muqtza since he wouldn't eat it raw. So it sounds like Rava is holding like Rav Yehuda, who says, Muhan Adam, something that was set aside to be for human consumption. You cannot feed to an animal. So it sounds like, Rabbi, like, like Rava holds like Rav Yehuda. And that's why he's saying that only because he would personally eat this raw meat, that's why it's considered mukhan. However, for people who wouldn't eat this meat raw, it would be mukta, like Rabbi Yehuda. So the name of Rabbi Yehuda Svirle. So does that mean that Rava holds like Rabbi Yehuda? The Amar Rava Lishamae, but didn't Rava say to his attendant, Tavili bar Avza Cook for me this goose and throw its intestines to the cat. Which means what? Which means, when Yom Tiv started, so this is talking about on Yom Tiv, right? So he's saying, cook the goose and feed its intestines to the cat. And what Rav is saying is that even though when Yom Tiv started, the intestines were part of this goose, and the goose was set aside for Rava's consumption, so it was Muhan the Adam, and we're saying that it wouldn't be considered Muhan for the animal, meaning if he holds like Rabbi Yehuda, so since this goose was set aside for his human consumption, it would be considered Muhan Adam, but Muhan Adam is not Muhan the Behema, so you wouldn't be able to throw the intestines to the, the intestines that you don't want, you wouldn't be able to throw it to the animal. 
So Hassan came to the Masrach, Daite Ilave, Mesmo. So the Gemara says, no, really Rabbah does hold like Rabbi Yehuda. And he does hold of Muqsa, and he also holds that Muqan la Adam, Loavi Muqan la Behema. That something that's prepared for human consumption is considered Muqsa for animal consumption. However, when it comes to that goose, it's different. Because he knew that the, he's going to have to do something with the intestines. It's not the first time he shechted a goose. And he also knows that the intestines are going to get rancid if he just leaves them out. So he knows at the time that he shechs the goose that he's planning to eat the meat and give the intestines to the animal. So therefore, his kavana already before yomtiv was that these intestines are going to go to the animal. So it was already muhan for the animal when Shabbos, when yomtiv started. Hachinami mistava. And it also makes sense to say that Rava holds like Rabbi Yehuda when it comes to Muksa. That a woman should not go into, and I assume the same applies to a man, should not go into a woodshed and find a piece of wood that she can use to stoke coals in a fire because wood is going to be Muksa. And therefore, you wouldn't be, she wouldn't be able to take a, a piece of wood, I guess probably for Yamtib, to stoke the coals of the fire because the wood would be um, mukta. The wood, and if you had a uh, stick already set aside to be to stoke coals with, shenizbar, so basically it was a kli and it was muhan, but then it broke in half. And it's no longer a kli that you can use for stoking the coals, but you can always just chuck the pieces in the fire. So the wood shenizbar, you're not allowed to throw it into the yomtiv. Because, according to Behuda, while you're allowed to throw a kli into a fire, so for example, if you wanted to take this stick that you had already set aside to stoke coals, and you wanted to put that in the fire, well, because it was not muktzah. But if it breaks in half, and now it's nolad, I mean, you had the stick that was initially a kli that you can use for stoking coals. It broke in half. You can no longer use it for stoking coals. Now you can use it for firewood. But it wasn't a firewood. It wasn't for firewood when Yomtev started. So therefore, it's nolad. Rabbi says it's muktzah and you can't throw it into a fire. And Rava agrees with that. So we see that Rava holds like Rabbi Yehuda regarding muktzah. Very interesting. New Mishnah, Beishamay Omim, says Beishamay, Ma'avirin me'ala shulchan atzamosu klipin. So if you are eating at a table and on Shabbos, and there are, and you've, you know, you're eating meat, and once you've eaten meat, so now you have bones, so you're eating steak, and now there's a big bone. Uklipin, or let's say you have epis shells from Echveisnisht. Nuts, and you're eating sunflower seeds. You put them in your mouth, you extract the seed, you spit out the shells on the table, and now you have slobbery shells on the table. So both the bones and the um, slobbery shells are, are um, muktzo. Like, well, they're useless, let's say. What are you going to do with the bone? What are you going to do with slobbery shells? So Bishama says, nonetheless, you can remove them from the table. Uh, you don't have to be concerned about muktzo. Okay, fine. Whereas Basila says, you can um, just, no, don't move the shells because they're mukta. Rather, and the bones, rather pick up the table and take the table somewhere. And then, and, and the table's a clee. You can move the table and then shake off the table somewhere 
and um, rather than picking up the muksa directly. Okay, fine. My virin you can um, remove from the table uh, crumbs of bread that are less than a kezayis, right? So you're eating bread, the maise, and then there were some crumbs that were less than a kezayis. So you could pick them up and remove them from the table. And pods of peas and pods of lentils um, because you can feed it to the animal, which is interesting because going back to our discussion a few minutes ago of so here you have this, let's say, bread is an easy example. It's obviously Muchan the Adam, right? It was for human consumption when Shabbos started. And now you have these um, pieces that are less than a kazayas and you want to give them to the animal. And we're saying that that's acceptable. So that would sound like Rib Shimon. Svug, a sponge, or base achiza, if there is hide that you can use to um, as a handle for the sponge, well, then you can use the sponge to clean with. But if there is no handle, then you cannot um, use this sponge because there is a concern of schita, of extracting whatever liquid was in the sponge. Okay, fine. And whether it has a handle, whether it doesn't have a handle, if it's dry, you'd be allowed to move it on Shabbos and it's not makabal tuma. And Rashi says something interesting. Why is it not makabal tuma? Because the fact of the matter is, it's not made out of wood, it's not made out of fabric, it's not made out of sackcloth, and it's not made out of metal. Meaning it's very interesting that, you know, in order for something to be tame, it has to fall into one of these categories. If it doesn't fall into one of the categories, and then it, it's not, can be shaykh bechlal to the laws of Tumah. Says the Gemara, Amr of Nachman, Anu Lanu Yehuda, Shimon. So our Mishnah had implied, of course, right, I'm sure, Right, many people noticed that Beishamai seems to be the one saying, you know, not holding of muksa, like Reb Shimon, and Beisil is holding of muksa. Beishamai says that if you have bones and if you have shells on the table, you can remove them. What about the fact that they're muksa? Ah, Beishamai doesn't hold of muksa. Beisil says no, you got to pick up the entire table, go somewhere and dump it because he's he's concerned about muksa. He's concerned about moving the bones and the shells. Says of Nachman, I understand. That the Mishnah sounds like is saying that Beishamai holds like Reb Shimon and Beisil holds like Reb Yehuda. However, Am Reb Nachman Anu Einlanu Ela Beishamai Reb Yehuda Beisil Reb Shimon. Lemaise, the fact of the matter is, for whatever reason, we assume that Beishamai is the one who holds like Reb Yehuda and Beisil holds like Reb Shimon regarding Mukta. Myvirin Melifne Ashochon Perun Mealashochon Perun. So we said that you're allowed to remove from the table. Um, pieces of bread that are smaller than a kezayis. Misayele le Rabbi Yochanan, the supports of Yochanan, Dom Rabbi Yochanan, Perun she'en boyen kezayis, also la'avdun biyad. Rabbi Yochanan says that pieces of bread that are less than a kezayis, you can't just destroy them, you know, uh, uh, directly. Um, so we see that in our mission. The mission doesn't say ju- just take these, um, small pieces of bread and throw them on the floor. It doesn't say that. It says remove them from the table, meaning you have to treat them properly and with respect, even though they're smaller than a kezayis. Se'ar shalafunin, the uh, peas of po- uh, the pods of peas. Money. So who is the Tana that would say that you are allowed to take um, the pea pods and the small pieces of bread and remove them th- from the table and give them to the animal? I.e., who would say um, that it wouldn't be muktzah? This, this food that was for human consumption, and now you want to make it animal consumption. So Reb Shimoni, So obviously this is Reb Shimoni doesn't hold of Muksa, because if it was Reb Yehuda, 
we said that Mukhan Adam, Lu'avi Mukhan Bema. Something that was set aside for human consumption is not able to be fed to the animal. So, Ema Seifa, one second. But let's, let's go weiter in our Mishnah. What does it say? Sfug, Mieshlo, Besachiza Makanchinbo, Vimlav, Ein Makanchinbo. The Mishnah had said that if you have a sponge that has a handle on it, well, then you're allowed to use it for, um, sponging, if it's wet. Vimlav, Ein Makanchinbo. But if there's no handle, then you wouldn't be allowed to um, I don't know, let's say wash dishes with it. So, 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 Asan the Rabbi Yehuda. Well, that sounds like it's Rabbi Yehuda. That sounds like Rabbi Yehuda says Davashin Miskavin is Asr. Why? Because if you have this sponge, there's no handle on it. We're saying that it's Asr. Why? Because you might come to, um, do schita to extract the liquid from it. That would be a Davashin Miskavin. So the Gemara says, no, that is not. A davar shenu miskavin. We're not talking about davar shenu miskavin and saying it's also because Rabbi Yehuda says a davar shenu miskavin is also. That is not what it is. But afilu Rabbi Shimon modeda abai v'rava dami tarvayu modeda Rabbi Shimon b'sekreishiv lo yamus. No, regarding this sponge without a handle, Rabbi Shimon would also say that you're not allowed to use it because it's not a davar shenu miskavin, which is mutter. It's a b'sekreishiv lo yamus. If you use this sponge, then one thousand percent you are going to be extracting. The liquid from the sponge and it'll be schita. So therefore, um, if there's no handle on the sponge, you may not use it because it's schita. The assumption being that if there is a handle on the sponge, uh, it won't necessarily at least be schita. Maybe it's a davashin and miskavin. Okay. Hanigar inin de tamre armiyosa shalom letaltolinu hovchazen agav imon. So, um, pits of dates. So, um, humans don't really eat pits of dates. Um, but animals do. So what happens if you have a date? What can you do with its pit, which is for animal consumption? So Hanigar eating the Tamri Armiyosa, so the pits of Aramean, of Aramean um, dates, which weren't very tasty. Humans don't usually care for Aramean dates. So it's basically just all the entire date is for animal consumption. And therefore, the pits as well. You know, since the flesh of the date is for animal consumption, the pit just kind of, you know, comes along the mele, and it's also for animal consumption. You can feed it to your animal on Shabbos. So you're allowed to move these uh, pits since the flesh of the pit is good, you know, is, is shaykh for animal food and was always shaykh for animal food when Shabbos started. So therefore, you're allowed to move the pit. Um, and it's not mukta, it's just animal food. With the Farsi Asa, but what about the Persian uh, dates? Asr. Then you are not allowed to move the, the, the pits of the Persian dates because Persian dates are for human consumption. They're much tastier. And therefore, um, the flesh is for human consumption, but the pit, however, was part of the date when Shabbos started, but the pit itself, once the flesh has been eaten, is only for animals. Um, and therefore, we're going to say, that it is Mukta, and this of course would be according to Rabbi Yehuda, that since it's Muhan the Adam, this date was set aside for human consumption, um, the pit, which was part of it when Shabbos started, would not be able to be fed to the animal. Okay? Shmuel Metatulu Agav Rifta. Shmuel, what he would do is when he would eat these dates, he would um, spit out the pits onto bread, and then he would be able to move the dates, maybe, and move the pits, maybe throw them in the garbage or something. Shmuel the time, and Shmuel is according to his reasoning, as we've seen in, in, in Brachis, and also somewhere else in Shabbos, Dharma Shmuel, also Adam Kotzarko Bepas, a person could do whatever he wants with bread. Um, and therefore, 
he could spit out these pits on the bread and then I guess take them to the garbage. Rabba metaltalu agav lakna demaya. Rabba would spit the pits into um, a pit, a jug of water and then he would just take the jug of water and dump it out somewhere. Rav Huna bread of Yoshua avilu kigraf shorei. So Rav Huna bread of Yoshua, he would just make a whole big mound of um, date pits and then it would get like disgusting. And once it's disgusting, it was a graf shorei. It was like removing excrement or garbage, which is allowed. So then he would remove it. So Ravashi says to Amemar, are you allowed to just do that? You're allowed to just, you know, intentionally make something that would be considered a graf shorei? No answer. Rav Sheshis, interestingly, Rav Sheshis, he would um, spit them out. I guess like see how you would like spit them to the other end of the room. Yeah, I don't know what the word for that. I feel like there's like a funny word for that. I don't know, but whatever it is, he, he, he would perfect his, his, his long distance, um, spitting and he would, he would, he would, he would get that pit down to the other end of the room. Very impressive. Rav Papa would throw the, the, the pits behind the, um, like, uh, bed that he was reclining on when he was eating. So Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas would turn his face to the, um, behind his, uh, bed and then he would, I don't know, either, I don't know, spit them there or throw them there, whatever it was. Friends, who's Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas? The Gemara says in Gitin that the Anvisanuso Shab Zechariah ben Avkulas, Hechrev as Beis Mikdashenu, Etc. There was that story with Kamtsa and Bar Kamtsa in Sechta Gitin and Afnun Zayin that uh, there was a whole thing that they that the whole story with Kamtsa and Bar Kamtsa and the rabbis didn't know what to do with this korban that they wanted to bring for the for the Caesar and Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulis was concerned um, and told them not to offer the korban out of concern that people might get the wrong idea and so they didn't bring the korban and then things kind of deteriorated from there. So, um, that's Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas. I was thinking maybe on Tishabav, we'll see. Maybe on Tishabav I'll do a Facebook Live in the afternoon. We can learn together those Gemaras of the Churban Abayas in, um, from Masechta, uh, Gitin. Very interesting Gemaras over there. Alright. Hajjan Allah, Notal Adam S. B. No. New Perak. Chavis Shenizbra Matzilan Emena. Mazen Shalish Sudis Baumalacherim Bovatzilach Muvachalayisbo. Okay, so let's read that again. So Khavajinizbra, if you have a barrel, let's say a piece of wine barrel, and the wine barrel breaks Lamaisa. So Matzilin Hemena Mazun Shalish Sudis, so you can save from the wine barrel, I guess, enough wine for three meals. Okay. Bovatzilachim. And you can also tell his friends, look guys, you know, my Wine barrel broke. I can only take three meals worth. Go and chop a uh, As long as he doesn't take a sponge and kind of sponge up the wine that is spilled because we're concerned that he might come to schita. He might come and extract the wine from the sponge. We do not um, juice fruits to, um, re- to, to release, to extract the juice from them. And what if you have a bunch of fruits? Let's say you have a bunch of Epis apples 
and you look at the, I don't know how this would happen, but you go and you look at the apples and you see underneath them is apple juice. Some of the, some of the juice just kind of somehow got out of the, of, of the fruits on their own. Assuming you're not allowed to drink that juice because we're concerned that if you drink the juice, you might end up then going and, and squeezing the apples some more to extract more juice because it was so delicious. Rebuda Omer says, Rebuda, Imla Ochlan, Imla Ochlan, Well, so Rebuda says, well, it depends what your intention was. If your intention was to, um, get a bunch of apples and bring them inside so that you have apples to eat, well, then your intention isn't to, to, to extract the juice from them. And even if some juice comes out of the apples on their own, you can just drink the juice. We're not concerned that you're then going to go back and squeeze the apples. That wasn't your intention. However, if you had um, collected the apples in the first place for juicing and then some juice already started coming out and you drank the juice and it was so delicious, well then we're concerned that you might then go back and extract more juice from the apples and we don't want you doing that on Shabbos. So therefore, if you gathered them for um, to extract the juice in the first place, do not drink the juice that comes out of them. Chalos Devash Shiriskan Meir of Shabbos, if you have honeycombs and you you know, uh, um, um, oh God, smashed the honeycomb or what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, chopped epis or crushed. I think crushed is the uh, word I was looking for. So so if you have honeycombs, you have this big waxy honeycomby thingy and you crush it from Erev Shabbos. And now on Shabbos, the honey, what you do is apparently, I guess you crush the Honeycomb, and then you just allow the honey to just kind of ooze out on its own. So if you crushed the honeycomb before Shabbos, and now it's Shabbos, and the honey is oozing out, can you eat that honey? Sounds very delicious. So the Chacham say, no, you cannot. Rabbi Eliezer Mater, Rabbi Eliezer says, yes, you may. Friends, let's look at the Gemara. Tana lo yispog b'shemen. So we learn in Ebrisa that... Um, you may not soak up wine with a sponge. And you also, if there's oil that leaked, you may not take your hand and kind of like rub it in the oil and then take your hand and kind of rub it against the, the jar so that the oil gets from, let's say, the table that it's spilled on back into the jar. Okay. Okay, because apparently that's how you would do things during the week. And we don't want you doing things the way that you do them during the week. Okay. I'll tell you honestly, I don't necessarily understand how to understand this uvdin the whole thing. Like, it seems pretty subjective. I mean, I must also admit, I haven't really tried to understand it too deeply, but it does seem like a concept that is somewhat subjective. Like, where do we apply it and where don't we apply it? Tanur Abanan, Nispazu lo peris if he had a bunch of fruits that got scattered in his courtyard, Malakit al yad al yad he can just collect the fruits and eat them. But don't collect the fruits and gather them in a basket or a box. Because they don't want him to do it like he does it during the week. So therefore, since in the week, I guess he would gather his fruit and put it in some kind of a box. So therefore, if his uh, fruit got scattered in the courtyard, rather than putting them in a box, he should just, you know, if he's hungry, he could take one and eat it. But he shouldn't be gathering them and collecting them and putting them away because that's how he does it in the week. In Sochtenes Aperis, we do not um, extract juice from fruit. Amr Rav Yudah, Amr Shmuel, says Rav Yudah in the name of Shmuel, Mode haya Rabbi Yehuda l'chachamim b'zeisim va'anavim. Now, what was the machlokas between Rav Yudah and the Chachamim? Rav Yudah said, well, it depends. If you take fruit and you gather them and collect them and bring them into your house to eat them, 
well then, even if some juice comes out of them, um, you can consume the juice because since you collected them for eating, we're not concerned that you're then going to say, wow, this juice was good, let me go uh, juice them because that wasn't your intention. Whereas the Chacham say, no, no matter what, if there is juice that comes out of these fruits, you may not consume the juice because we're concerned that you might then end up enjoying it so much that you'll juice the fruits even if that wasn't your initial intention. So, now says of Yudah in the name of Shmuel that however, there's an exception to Rabbi Yudah's rule, which is olives and grapes. Because since it, you know, sort of in general, you extract oil from olives and you extract juice from grapes, therefore we're concerned that even if initially your intention was to eat the olives and to eat the grapes, once you, if you were to drink the juice from the grapes or the oil from the olives, you might say, you know what? This is really good. Let me actually do like everybody else does. Let me just extract the oil or the juice. And we're concerned that when it comes to olives, when it comes to grapes, that if you drink the juice, even if you had initially brought them inside for eating, we're concerned that you might end up juicing them on, you know, extracting the juice on the liquid on Shabbos. And therefore, when it comes to olives and grapes, even if you brought them in for eating, you would not be allowed to um, um, consume the fluid, the liquids that came from the olives or the grapes. I'm Rabbi Yudah, I'm Rashmuel, I'm going to read that again. Moda Haya Rabbi Yudah Chacham, that Rabbi Yudah admitted to the Chacham that when it comes to olives, when it comes to grapes, even if you had brought them in for eating, you would not be allowed to consume the liquids that come out of them on their own. My time at Hakam came to the Sechita Ninu, because since in general you um, extract juice uh, or liquid from olives and um, grapes, Yaiv Daite, he might say, you know what? This juice was actually really good. Let me go and uh, juice it completely. Ve'ula Amarav, Ula says the name Rav, Chalukaya Rabbi Yehuda, Av Bezeisim so Ula says the name of Rav that no, Rabbi Yehuda did not make any exceptions. Just like he argues with apples, he also argues with um, olives and grapes. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Alachuk Rabbi Yehuda B'Shai Peres, Ve'en Alachuk Rabbi Yehuda B'Zeisim Anavim. So Rabbi Yochanan kind of learns like Ula in the name of Rav, which is that Rabbi Yehuda argues on the Chachamim also when it comes to grapes and when it comes to olives. However, The Allah is not like Rabbi Yudah when it comes to grapes and it comes to, and when it comes to olives. Rather, when it comes to grapes and it comes to olives, and if you collected them for eating, you may not consume the liquids that come out of them. Amr, so it says here, Rabbah, there's a, a different gears that reads Rabbi Abba, and they make, I think, a good argument for Rabbi Abba. Let's go with Rabbi Abba. Amr Rabbi Abba, Amr of Yehuda, because as we know from Masech Tabrachos, Rabbi Abba was a student of Rabbi Yehuda, because there was one of those famous story, one of those stories where Rabbi Abba was making Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael, and Rabbi Yehuda was not into people making Aliyah. So Rabbi Abba, on his way to making Aliyah, he just kind of stopped by the best measure of Rabbi Yehuda to hear Chaparain one last halacha. So Rabbi Abba was saying in the name of Rav Yehuda, who was saying in the name of Shmuel, Modahaye Rabbi Yehuda lachachamim b'zeisim v'anavim. That, okay, like we just said, that Rabbi Yehuda would admit to the Chachamim when it comes to olives and when it comes to grapes that even if you collected them for food, you would not be allowed to uh, consume the liquids that come out of them. And at the same time, the Chachamim admit to Rabbi Yehuda when it comes to other fruits, such as apples, let's say, the, that if you collected them for eating, the juice that comes out of them on their own on Shabbos, you would be allowed to drink. Well, 
Well, if that's the case, then where do they actually argue? Sounds like they're in full agreement. Both the Chachamim and Rabbi Yudah agree that when it comes to olives, when it comes to grapes, you would not be allowed to drink the uh, liquid that comes out of them on their own in any circumstance. And both Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim agree that when it comes to things like apples, you would be able to consume the juice comes, that comes out of them if you collected them for eating. So then where do they argue? So So interestingly, Rabbi Abba <laughs> answers Rabbi Yirmiya and he says, I don't know, you go find the answer. <laughs> okay. So basically Rabbi Abba said something, Rabbi Yirmiya asked him a question, and Rabbi Abba's like, I don't know, you go find the answer. <laughs> Fine. Amr of Nachum by Yitzchak, now says of Nachum by Yitzchak, Mistavr betutim v'rimonim pligei. Says of Nachum by Yitzchak, you know what? Where do they? You know, you know where they argue. It's true. They agree when it comes to um, grapes and when it comes to olives. And it's true that we said that by everything else, they would also agree. So where do they disagree? That Reb uh, Yehuda and the Chacham disagree when it comes to tutim, which I don't know. Tutim in general is strawberries, but I saw the article uh, define them as mulberries. Maybe let's take a vote. Maybe let's take a vote. What do you guys? What, what do you guys want to hear? You want to hear strawberries or you want to hear mulberries? Strawberries, it is. So they argue when it comes to strawberries and pomegranates. Titania, as we learned in the Bible, says Zaysim shemashach men shemen, vanavim shemashach men yain. So if you have um, oil. Uh, if you have uh, olives, that some oil came out of the olives on their, on their own. And you have some grapes, that the grapes, that the juice came out of the grapes on their own. And then you brought these grapes and these um, olives into your house. Whether you brought them in for food or whether, whether you brought them in for drinks. Whatever liquid comes out of them, you may not consume because they're grapes and olives and therefore consume that you might end up continuing to extract the liquid from them. However, tutim shemashachmen mayim, v'rimonim shemashachmen yain, however, strawberries that some juice came out of them, or pomegranates that juice came out of them, v'chnisan le'ochlin, and you brought them into your house for food, well then, ayotzimeen mutter. Well then, whatever comes out of them, you are allowed to drink. However, if you brought in these strawberries or these pomegranates, either with no particular intention or in order to juice them, well then any liquid that comes out of them, you may not drink. And this is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. And he's saying that when it comes to pomegranates and when it comes to strawberries, so then whatever liquid comes out of them, uh, if it was la'achila, you would be allowed to eat it. Whereas the Chacham say that whether you're planning to eat these, these things, whether you're planning to drink these things, makes no difference when it comes to strawberries and pomegranates, you may not consume the liquid that comes from them. Friends, we're going to stop here. That was Daf Kufmem Gimel. Um, yeah, uh, cool Daf, right? Yeah, pretty smooth sailing. So let us review. Um, yeah, at the beginning, the first Amud, we kind of talked about Mukta kinds of things. We talked about, the, you know, just, I don't know, no big Chidushim here. There was the concept that according to Rabbi Yehuda, who holds a Mukta, he also holds a Muchan the Adam, Loavi Muchan the Klavim. That food that is set aside for human consumption, you may not feed to an animal. Um, other than that, we basically, you know, the, the machlokas between 
Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon came up. Rabbi Yehuda, of course, doesn't hold of Rabbi Yehuda, of course, does hold of Muktzah. Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold of Muktzah. And we completed um, Perak Notel. We started Perak Chavis. We talked about juicing fruits, and we said that when it comes to olives and grapes, what you know. So Rabbi Yehuda says in the Mishnah that um, if you take fruit and you put them, you bring them into your house for eating, well then the liquid that comes out of them you can drink on Shabbos. The Chachamim say that you may not because we're concerned that you might end up juicing more of them. So now, what about when it comes to olives and grapes? So Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Shmuel that Rabbi, that Rabbi Yehuda admits to the Chacham that olives and grapes you would not be allowed to consume the liquids ever. Ula says in the name of Rab that Rabbi Yehuda maintains his argument against the Chacham even when it comes to olives and when it comes to grapes. Rabbi Yochanan says that while Rabbi Yehuda maintains his argument, Allah is not like him when it comes to olives and grapes. Then we talk about strawberries and pomegranates. And we said that, right, because we had this other um, statement of Rabbah or Rabbi Abba in the name of Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Shmuel that Rabbi Yehuda admits to the Chacham when it comes to grapes and olives and the Chacham admits to Rabbi Yehuda when it comes to everything else. Well, then where do they argue? So we said that they argue about pomegranates and strawberries, whereas Rabbi Yehuda says that when you bring them in for ochel, you're allowed to drink the liquid. The Chacham say that you're never allowed to drink the liquid. Friends, that was Kufmem Gimla. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a great day or night or whatever. Peace.